2: Welcome to Beyond Ghosts, Interactive Paranormal. I am your host, Ryan Willard, filling in uh, for our normal host, Mr. John Cresido. Yes. And um, with me here is our good buddy Marty Shevchik. For our, uh, we haven't called you the color commentator in a long time. Are yes, you consider Are you considered a color commentator still? I don't know. You don't know. I don't
1: know. I maybe I have to rethink that whole uh, where where I'm at.
2: It, it seems you've been doing more than just color commentating. Right? You actually, well, I mean, come on. I mean, you have been kind of doing. You know, we're becoming veterans at this whole, you know, uh, radio thing. We're not just sitting in the background anymore. We're yeah, kind I of know. Taking, taking. I don't
1: have the zing and the zazz that I John's got. I don't either got, like. have the zing. And,
2: <laughs> trust me, I do not have the zing and the zazz either. I, I don't. I'm uh, I'm like uh, I'm like that teacher on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, standing from the class.
1: Bueller. 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 That guy is a funny comedian.
2: Yeah, Ben Stein. Yeah. He is a good guy. He's a he is a funny comedian. So, um, what
1: have you been up to? Nothing. Just got done with Fourth of July and uh, fireworks and the heat up here in Buffalo. We went from monsoon weather to, you know, I thought we lived along the Amazon River the way it's been raining, and all of a and sudden now it's it's dry desert heat out here.
2: It's like uh, Florida hot oh, up here now. Brutal. So uh, yeah, it was a nice, uh, nice Fourth of July Canada Day weekend.
1: Yes, and that kind of like ties right in with our <laughs> guests we got going on here today.
2: So we had uh, it was a great weekend. Um... What else? Anything else?
1: No, nah, nothing new. Just gearing up. You know, we got our ton of our events coming up, and uh, oh, I can't even think. Eastern State Penitentiary, we got here at the end of August, and
2: we have to we have to apologize. The heat's kind of getting to us. Yeah, a little, uh, I'm
1: sweating just do, sitting here doing the interview. I am. Yes, it is hot, so, <laughs> but we're not
2: complaining because I know everyone's hot right now. It, it's hot all over. So, but I just uh, want a
1: happy medium, tired of these extremes. <laughs> Mother Nature's mood swings.
2: <laughs> But uh, let's. Uh, you want to get on with uh, what we're here for? Sure, absolutely. Okay. Um, actually, we had uh, we had this guy uh, uh, on the show uh, last year as a guest, and uh, we got him back again. Um, it's our good buddy, Mister Robbie Thomas, the renowned psychic, criminal profiler, and an all around good guy. Robbie, are you on the line with us.
3: Hey, how you guys doing? Hi, Marty. Uh, how you doing Robbie. I'm doing great. Hi Ryan, how you doing?
2: I'm doing I'm doing wonderful. I am doing very well. Yes, thank you.
3: No, thank you for having me back.
2: Hey, no problem. And, and and Marty, this is this is his first time interviewing you, so it's it's kind of an exciting moment.
3: Yeah, let's uh let's jump on Marty. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna pick on pick on
2: Marty today. It's pick on Marty Day, so let's uh <laughs> let's let's stay on that and on that note. <laughs> hey Robbie, um for those who missed our, our previous show with you, we're gonna kinda go back to basics. If you could Possibly introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, where you live, your social security number, all that good stuff. If you could, you know, get into that.
1: DNA samples. Absolutely, <laughs>
3: really, DNA samples. <is> <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's for all the women out there, they're not my kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Robbie Thomas. I'm a prolific author, writer, screenwrite producer, and I'm a criminal profiler. Um I've been in several movies, such as Dead Whisper, a critically acclaimed hit movie. Back in 2005, we shot it with 14-time award-winning film producer Ronald James, um, Michael Esposito, um, quite the cast members that were involved in that movie. And then the Sally House movie, which came out just last year, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, phenomenal as well, critically acclaimed and reviewed. And then Paradox, which now my... Movie script itself is in Hollywood at this time, and they're wanting Paradox Two. So I'm sitting here and I'm laughing, and as you know, all this is happening because you you work hard and good stuff happens. So um, not only do I do that, I'm an author. I'm a best-selling author. I just became a best-selling author uh, June 25th as Paranormal Encounters hit number two on the bestsellers list. Excellent uh, nice. It deals with every one of us that are in the paranormal field and looking for the truth and seeking it, um, you know, scientifically and spiritually and looking for all these different elements of the paranormal. And I went back about 20 years of my career and I wrote the both movies that are in there. Um, went down to Perryville, Battlefield in Kentucky. Uh, there's quite a few places that are in, in the book. And um, it's been reviewed by award-winning screenwriter Gloria Shepard. Which I also had a tie in to her book that was a, was a bestseller as well, called Brian Jones, the founder of the Rolling Stones, the murder case. And, um, well, you know, just uh, doing my thing. That's what I do. I uh, mm-hmm. criminal profile, I work with the U.S. Marshals. I just finished a month and a half of touring with U.S. Marshals, different sheriff offices, and law enforcement throughout Iowa, Ohio, Indiana, mm-hmm. and Kentucky. Who's guy. Um, doing nine separate, uh, homicide cases. And, um, so it's a full-time job.
2: Now, we, we actually got you, we, we got you at a, at a great time because I know I do follow you a lot and, uh, you know, I, I follow you on Facebook especially. And, uh, I have been seeing a lot about the book and, um, this book, like you said, it's, it's, uh, you said number two, it's a bestseller. Um, now I, can you kind of go in detail on this book a little bit? I mean, it seems like it's, it's, it's been a project you've been, like, been working on for a while. Maybe go into, when you decided to do this, how long it taken you, and, and the research you did put into this book?
3: Absolutely, I I always pen down every and record every session or every um, interlude or encounter or investigation as we we'll, we call them mm-hmm. as everybody does. We film it or we go out and we record the evidence. Um, looking back at all what was done many years ago, and one. Was back in 2000. I'll give you an example. 2004. Mm-hmm. There was um, the very first interactive live radio broadcast of a paranormal investigation, and I call it the Wellington Minton Connection. Now we had people calling in from Italy, from England, from the States, Canada. It was amazing. It, it was just. It was phenomenal. It's a, it was a four-hour show, wow. but it turned into four days. Wow. Just not the show but going back and gathering information and, and, and trying to release the spirits and, and seeing what was going on. Photographs, and in the book, there are photographs, uh, astounding photographs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, from Perryville Battlefield right down to what I'm talking about now, it was just amazing, from Capone Capone's speakeasy to Mantino mm-hmm. State Hospital, uh, the Studebaker mansion. Um, it's all in the book. It's behind the scenes, what happened in two movies, The Dead Whisper. And also the Sally House movie, what the cast members, what the people behind the film, what brought what they brought home with them, what what went on in their lives for a whole year period, it's all there and nothing's held back.
2: No, I, I don't want to. I don't want to repeat all the same questions we we asked you when you were on before. So if you could briefly, Dead Whisper and the Sally House, could you briefly explain those two? Um, I. I, I locations that were part of the movie and, and
3: for people that might
2: not have, have,
3: have heard it before? Absolutely. Um, Dead Whisper was shot in three separate locations, which mm-hmm. was the Studebaker Mansion, Mantino State Hospital in Illinois. The Studebaker Mansion was in Indiana. Um, the Al Capone speakeasy was also in Willowbrook area, or Spring... Oh, boy. I forget the name. <laughs> um, they're going to kill me. It's right across from the Willowbrook Ballroom, which is a great historical place, too, by the way, mm-hmm. in the Chicago area. And um, those were the three main uh, object- objectives we had. Mm-hmm. We came off the Natalie Holloway case back okay. in 2005, and 14-time award-winning film producer Ronald James, who shot The Crocodile Hunter, Animal Planet, and yeah. you know a whole slew of different programs, wanted to do um, the Natalie Holloway case with BBC Radio Donald Newsom, Doug Newsom, Doctor Fred Bell, who worked with the uh, government of, um, I think it was with the CIA, mm-hmm. and um, myself and one other individual. Now we got told to stay home, and that because of the fact that the economy was falling mm-hmm. in Aruba, they had everybody and their grandmother combing the island. So what we did was we, we took a better turn, stayed back, and let them do their dealings. And Ron says, "What do you want to do now?" And I said, well, let's go shoot Ghost and Legends. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be Dead Whisper. And that's where we came from, shooting all 2005. The movie came out in 2006. And then we went on to do The Sally House. Now, The Sally House was shot with a different producer, Scott Unruh. Michael Esposito was with me in that movie as well. Mm-hmm. I was on tour doing the Power Spirit tour throughout the United States in 2007. Kansas City, Atchison to be exact, Kansas City was the location of the Sally House, and we just so happened to shoot the movie there.
2: Now, uh, what, would, what was your uh, opinion on the Sally House as, an, as a place for her to
3: investigate
2: the evidence caught there? Any, any experiences?
3: Absolutely. Um, we did a long shoot of gathering information. We had people flying from all over Canada and the United States to come down there for a tour stop and allow them to come with us through the home. Mm-hmm. We had one whole specific day for that. They came through, people experienced um, interlude or interactive, if you will, encounters with spirit, and we went through naming seven people, separate names mm-hmm. that belonged to that home. The historian checked them all out, those names checked out. Mm-hmm. Now, during, during the course of this, there was no Sally mentioned, because I just didn't feel no Sally. Yes. Yeah. There was no Sally. Um, A year prior to 1906, was 1905, they went back and did the research. There was no Sally in the vicinity of that whole area whatsoever. In 1906, there was no Sally in that vicinity whatsoever. And in 1907, there was not. So we covered our bases very well Mm with if if there was a Sally or not.
2: Where did they they get get the the Sally Sally House name from?
3: from? Um, Some, you know, I've seen it on TV where uh, a psychic went in and dubbed it the Sally House. They said they mentioned they've seen somebody went in the upper windows and called it Sally. <laughs> <coughs> um, the closest thing I say on film is that a child doll might have been named Sally. Okay. Um, but I would rather call the home the House of Spirits. Mm-hmm. Anywhere you go, if you're a catalyst or if you are in any property whatsoever, the value of spirits going to show up. Mm-hmm. And so uh, dubbing it Sally and having the historical venue of this, methodical or malice that's going on there um, didn't happen. Mm -hmm. I
1: got a question question for you, Rob. Of all the places you investigated, uh, what would you say would be the most uh, location or the the location that had the most paranormal activity? Would it be the Sally House?
3: Um, It had a lot of activity. There was stuff that was... We were shooting. This This is the funny part about it. They knew we were there. And the two cameramen came in and they were viewing the course of the action over the time of shooting and we hear snap slide and then we turn around and look at the table and the table looks fine and everything's on the right side of the table the empty cases the paperwork and what have you we turn back review the tapes again all we hear is snap slide we turn back to look again and everything on the right side now was on the left side wow. <laughs> yeah it, w- it was amazing <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know uh, we're a freak, but we did it and it was great um the most active place i would say would have been mantino state hospital in Illinois, hmm. he captured so much and on film, um, on snap camera, on digital recorder, on analog tape. It was just amazing, just amazing. Yeah, we actually had the pleasure of talking
1: to uh, Mike Exposito on the show, and he was talking about the Sally yeah. House and you know and uh, Dead Whisper and all that. You know the projects he had with you.
2: He some great evidence, Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, Yeah, the guy's
1: phenomenal as far as when it comes down to EVP. That's why we had him on as an EVP expert, you know, delving into the realm of, you know, sound and audio and everything. Mm -hmm. I got another question for you, Rob. I mean, you alluded to, and that's pretty much what you've been doing recently, was with the whole, uh, like, cold case files and stuff and working with the police. How do the police actually take to you when you come down? Are they, like, do they actively seek you out and say, look, we're at a dead stop with this? Or is that, like, uh, something that a lot more police departments are starting to do now?
3: No, they've been doing it for quite a while, and you know, there's not like everybody thinks there's thousands of psychics that work with the police, and there's not. Um, when and don't get me wrong, they do their work. Is when they get stuck, like you suggested, they'll call. Uh, the phone doesn't stop in the office here. Mm-hmm. I just left the U.S. Marshals, Jeff Broughton. Um, see, I'm I'm allowed. I'll mention their names because it's all factual. Jeff Broughton is the firebomb expert for the U.S. Marshals. Uh, Mm -hmm. decades of experience, and worked the case in Ohio. Now, I'm giving out the evidence, and I'm talking about certain subject matter that he didn't know, and when it came to light, when I mentioned that the guns in the floorboards, the family gasped, and they said, oh, my God, because the husband was murdered that night, roughly around midnight, Mm -hmm. and the next morning, the wife is having a construction crew, and many people in the house changing up the floorboards
2: wow. mm.
3: now it's amazing how, how the other side talks so no um they approach me um now he works with me on many different cases and i'll be working with him on uh other cases as well gary peterson is by far the leading expert in the united states he's certified throughout the united states as the um water drowning expert and so when Again, get into a case such as in Paintsville, where April Pennington was found in the lake, and I said she didn't drown. Uh, there wasn't, you know, not even a speck of water in her, her throat or what have you, but she had a lot of bruising on her back and her you know, arms and everything. Um, you know, did the time of death and how blood pools and, and you know, getting to the specifics, I could have taken forever to, to get through it all. But it just, you know, having him work with me as well and taking on this case, and then now looking at when I had the sheriff sitting there, the chief of fire sitting on my left, I had the coroner in front of me and I'm, I'm really digging into the coroner because I said to him, 19 years ago, what was your, what was your thoughts? And he goes, well, I put him on paper as possible drowning, possible foul play. And I said, what experience did you have? And I love questioning people of authority because then you, you try, you get under the, you know, the surface of things and We record everything. So minutes Mm -hmm. are taken, films are rolling, and we have them there. Um, He had a week and three days of evaluation on becoming a coroner. So I said Hmm. to him, the very first medical practitioner who had the license of Kentucky was a certified doctor for many years and stated it was murder. And you had a week and three days training by watching a video on how people were cut open as a coroner. So does you know, and the sheriff's looking at me, and he's getting a little, you know, upset—not at me, but at the fact that I'm bringing all this up. And I said to him, "Now, what really strikes me funny is how do you lose the the, the larynx, the throat parts?" And he got all red-faced. The coroner <laughs> did. And then the sheriff sat up and said, "What the f?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. And I said, "Now, you would have caught all this if you would have read all the reports. So now we're putting them on the hook and making everybody look at each other. So it, it goes beyond the scope of." of just doing that now. So now we awaken a giant, and people know that we're doing this, and we're doing this for a reason. So I've let you in on a little scope of what it's like to be behind the scenes working with the police and stuff like this. Nobody else gets this kind of stuff. So we're, we're, we're going on with this. And then I, get an, I come home, and I just finished uh, another case. I'll get into that one, too. There's many cases mm-hmm. along the road I did in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So we come home. I'm in office. I'm doing my reports. I get an anonymous phone call. The anonymous phone call says, um, you better check more records and look in this direction because the coroner, the suspect who is in jail, who just got out, who was in jail for a different reason, just got out, is related to the coroner. So when I told that to the U.S. Marshal and also to Gary Peterson, um, they both mentioned the same thing separately. They said, it's a cover-up. And I said, absolutely, it's a cover-up. Now, I'm sitting with Loretta Lynn's family, all right? and Mm -hmm. I'm talking with Loretta Lynn's brother, and the first thing he says is, it's a cover-up. Those people are very smart down there. Mm -hmm. They know what's going on. They know everybody knows Mm -hmm. each other. So, you know, dealing with this type of thing and looking why the police call me is because I get to go in and do the criminal profiling and be able to sit there and question the people like this and dig outside the box, because it's just not the fact that I'm doing, I'm not doing detective work. What Mm -hmm. I'm doing is, the psychic criminal profiling work. Mm-hmm. I see and feel and hear what comes to me. I question why this is being done and why they never questioned it in the first place. So that's how it works with me. So you could also be
2: there to, to almost validate, too, some of the evidence that was captured in a crime scene as well. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely. You know, what got me was when the one boy said, you know, they, they pulled their body out of the water, drove her to the, to the doctor, and then he drove back and had a rescue team now picture this it's pitch black there's not a light in the area whatsoever mm-hmm. the water is murky you can't see two feet in front of the water on a bright clear day because i was down there with nbc and we were filming and we looked and you can't see on a bright clear sunny day there was you couldn't see two feet uh-huh. and so you go 20 feet offshore 12 feet deep and the boy goes and timmy's right there <laughs> right uh-huh. so i'm thinking to myself how in the heck would he know and he made that statement and then he takes off to Ohio and ends up getting murdered in Ohio that night oh, so I'm thinking to myself, well you know people you got to put one one together here and it's it's very logistic just looking at this in a simplistic way mm-hmm. but uh, yeah that's what we deal with
2: now with these cases um, it, it seems like you don't see on the news uh, such and such case and we found a suspect and we're we're uh you know we got it from a lead from a psychic it's almost like is this is this like on the on the download? Are they not do they do they not like to publicize that they're using um, psychics to to help solve cases?
3: No, actually, uh, it's the opposite. I'm on every news uh, agency. Like I said, NBC was there filming it, huh. and um, every every time I go into a town, their newspapers are printing me in there that I'm coming to town and I'm doing these cases, and uh, it flushes the bad guys out. You know, it's mm-hmm. you use the media as a tool. That's what it is. It's not to get the fame or to get the you know the publicity. It's to to actually make them sweat and make mistakes and flush them out. So yeah, NBC films me wherever I go or ABC, and uh, that's that's what's done. Yeah, because I mean, just
2: just for a reference, I know we um, you know we know a local psychic that does some uh, some work with one of the local uh, police stations. Yet I've never heard of any anything on the news or in the paper that she helps out with these cases. So I just don't know if maybe some. Some of the cases they don't really publicize or they don't really talk too much about you know uh help done from a psychic, so I know maybe it's uh maybe it goes can
3: go both ways right yeah no it um it's um I can't get away from the media
0: <laughs> and
3: uh you know in it's a good in respect it's very good because again, mm-hmm. I'm using it for the right reason mm-hmm. and so of the, the media uh, personnel they know what it's for too. Um, they get their story, of course, but then they know they're helping out with the police and the family to flush these guys out. Mm-hmm. Um, Paintsville, Kentucky. I'm sitting with um, Detective uh, Andy Delay, and we're looking at one of the suspects, and I'm recording him. Mm-hmm. I already read this guy stone cold, and it's really funny to watch him sweat. We started at six in the morning. We didn't finish till three, three, three thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing, going through the, all the steps. And we do this all the time, wherever we go, with the police or what have you. And this kid is sweating. And he's going through his motions of believing his lies mm-hmm. and laying it on. And we're recording him. And he says to me, Honest, I'm a church-going Christian. I found Jesus. Scouts honor." And I, I looked over at Andy, and I looked down on him. He's got his hand on his Glock. His gun, <laughs> right? And I'm thinking, you know... You just heard that. We hear this all the time from these people. You know, just pull it once. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's unbelievable. So he says to him, you were there. You were there, and you watched these two actually commit this crime, but you didn't want it. We're trying to trick them up, mm-hmm. right? And sure enough, he's shaking his head yes, and I said, okay, I want to make a positive notation here. You were suggesting that this is positive, and you're saying yes, and he goes yes, and he admits to it. Um, it's amazing to watch these guys sweat and go through this. And here I'm gonna pass on to everybody right now a little bit of karma. The one suspect we we're going for in this case so I really wanted to pin this guy. I had him on the phone and he was being real smart smart aleck, you know, and you just you just want to reach through the phone and grab him and, and pull him through. And um you know, I'm not no lightweight. I'm and you know, um I'm not saying I'm a tough guy, but you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I get around murderers and I and I'm right there in front of the lines. Mm-hmm. And so got a letter this week that his drug dealer OD'd and was unresponsive, and he was there for the drug dealings to his own drug dealer. So apparently now he's going to jail for for murder for that. Mm -hmm. So karma is a real, you know, it comes around, doesn't it?
2: Now, it almost seems that um, a lot of these cases, you know, you're not even, you're more more used as well because you're good at reading people. So are you also used... Um, you, you can pick out people's facial expressions, you can pick out people's, the way they talk, the way if they stutter, if they sweat, like, can you, can you kind of tell, in and, you know, when someone's, you're being interviewed, whether this guy is completely, <laughs> well, it's
1: probably more along the lines of when he, he throws a fact out there that probably the, 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 the perpetrator of this crime, or that suspect, mm-hmm. is probably the only one that knows that, and then you come in there and drop this on him, and he's like,
3: holy shit, how does this guy know this, you know? <laughs> yeah, it happens, um. You know, I'll give you the the very latest one in Ohio again with U.S. Marshals um, Jeff Broughton. The whole family was there, and Rob was a gen- was a guy, a gentleman who was murdered in his own home. Now, this one guy sitting in the back. You know, I felt right from the beginning. I'm I'm thinking. I'm looking at all these people. I don't know. You know who's who. There was a. You know, if anything, there was like a hundred people. There was all kinds of people in that room. And I'm looking around. I didn't feel one side of his wife's family there, uh-huh. not one. And all of a sudden, this guy comes in the room. And I just didn't feel right with this guy. And he comes about midway, sits down in a chair, kind of hides behind their family. And, you know, I'm looking at all these people. I'm talking, and all of a sudden, I see a little light. And I'm just reading this guy, and I'm going, I know what he's doing. He's got his cell phone on. He's listening, or the, the people on the other line are listening to what I'm saying. So I went right out, you know, I'm not scared, I'm mm-hmm. very boisterous. And if you tick me off, I'll, I'll tell you straight up. Uh-huh. So I walked down the aisle and I said, are you recording me? And the guy's face went all red. <laughs> and I said, what are you doing? And he's like surprised. I said, shut that freaking phone off now. Uh-huh. And he did. And he, what he was doing was he had the phone line on and he, he was sitting there. He was from the other family because the family turned around, looked at him and go, he's a friend of their family, uh-huh. not the wife who's, you know, suspects of the murder of Rob. Mm. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, okay, we'll let him sit here and sweat because what I say now is going to be hearsay when Mm -hmm. he goes back. Mm -hmm. And we just talked it up, and he was very uncomfortable. And every time I said something, I looked directly at him. Mm. I got a quick question. question.
1: Uh, Is is any of this what you do, is is it admissible in court, or do you just give the the police maybe some other tool to use and and a way to, to pretty much crack the suspect, so to speak?
3: Yeah, it's used as another tool and so that they can pursue and get the objective, in which is getting the evidence and putting them away. That's what it is. And also, you know, looking now in the last, I would say, five years alone, when they have me accompany them and go right to the murderer, it freaks them out. And hmm. so you, you, the body language, when you were explaining that, it does, it freaks them out. When you see somebody, and they're uncomfortable, and their knees and their body are pointed to the door, like some of them, some of them were, mm-hmm. that means they want, a flight. They want to flight. They want to get the freedom because mm-hmm. they want to get out that door, and they're tired of you. They're scared of you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're, they're, not, they're evasive in the way they're talking. Um, you know, just, just their mannerism, everything, the body language, it's there. So that helps out the police in criminal profiling who this individual is and what they're up to. Now,
2: Rob, on that note, uh, I think we're going to take our first commercial break of the evening, so if you could hold the line, and uh, Marty, um, go hit the John if you got to. And,
1: uh, <laughs> yeah, we've got to take a break to pay the bills. Johnny yeah, we've got to we
2: take, take a break to pay the bills. Not use the bathroom, though. We could if we wanted to. We on could. Break, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so Robbie, hold the line. Marty, hold yourself, and uh, everyone will be back with Beyond Ghosts, Interactive Paranormal, um, at this uh, time, while we're waiting, uh, go check out beyondghosts.com. Be right back.
0: Hey there, it's John Cresido, the host of Beyond Ghosts, Interactive Paranormal. All you beautiful listeners out there, when you get a chance, can you please go check out our incredible website, which is all about educating while entertaining. We're talking about www.blogs.com beyondghosts.com There you're going to find out all kinds of information about the Beyond Ghosts gang. We'll be talking about our awesome radio show which you are currently listening to. Thank you so much for doing that. But also stuff about our events because remember we are all about interactive paranormal and that's right. Getting all you ghost hunters off the sidelines and into them haunted houses and all them places across the country for you to do some investigaciones of your own. So... Check out BeyondGhosts.com and we're going to have fun while we kick some knowledge about the wide open field of the paranormal. Which you know what? Remember, babies, there are no experts, just folks with a lot more experience. So BeyondGhosts.com today.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to Beyond Ghosts, Interactive Paranormal. I'm your host today, Ryan Willard, here with uh Color Commentary Marty Shevchik, who is uh he's uh, graduated up to co-host today.
1: That's right. No so, uh no John. John's kinda indisposed this weekend and mm-hmm. busy, busy, busy and
2: hey, such is life, and it's uh summertime, so everyone's on the move.
1: True. I was just on the move this past weekend, so I can't complain myself either. <laughs>
2: So, but we're we're handling this okay. We got a great guest, and uh, he's making it easier for us tonight. So, on the line, uh, Robbie, you are still with us there? Absolutely, am. Yeah. Um, okay, we were talking about some of your cold cases you were doing. Um, what I wanted to ask you, and I was going to do it after we, you know, with after the break. Have you ever gone to a case and, and basically walked in and, and and just told told the detective or told whoever say, listen, I I, I got nothing. I, I, I really don't know. I, I don't feel anything. I, I can't really
3: help you. Have you, have you.
2: have you run into that
3: situation? You know, honestly, uh, no, never have. <laughs> um, and I'm not just saying it just and people go, oh, yeah, whatever. It, it, I'm telling you the truth. It, it just never happens that way. Mm-hmm. When given the opportunity and asked for help, and they've given me a picture of, say, a child missing or uh, like Caesar Cannell back in 2007, I got a picture and his name. That's all I I I got. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sitting there, and I get the murderer's name. I get his name, mm. Cecil. It's not a hat. It's not a name you can pull out of a hat, you know, like Bob or John. Yeah. And his name was Cecil, and where he exactly lived, um, where the body would be found. It, it happens like that. Um, it just, I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. I really don't. It just, it's used for a purpose. And other than say, can you find my car keys for me? You know, it's more purposeful in helping families.
1: Uh, Robbie, when when, when did you actually start to develop or realize that you had this ability to do this? Is it something that just kind of, you know, came out of nowhere, or did you always seem to have some kind of ability to do this?
3: Um, At a very early age of, say, three years, three or four years of age, um, my mother had a baby out of wedlock. And being Roman Catholic, very strict, the baby was given up for adoption. Many years later, she meets my father, marries him, and has me. So now I'm, you know, bringing to age three or four, I'm telling her either I'm adopted or I have a sister out there. Mm -hmm. And she used to say, Ron, he's doing it. And my dad would say, Robbie, leave her alone, get in here. And so, you know, bringing you fast forward to age 28 now, the day before my, my mother died, I was shown a vision the night before that tomorrow was her day. So, you know, a lot of people can relate to this or heard stories or seen this on tv where you're pinned and you can't move and you're being shown something mm-hmm. and i was being shown what was going to play out that day so that day i went over to my mom's like every day for coffee toast in the morning and i'm listening and I'm, I'm talking to her but she wouldn't turn around she was her back was to me and i said you know i have to tell you something this is what happened last night and i started to explain she turned, told me to go home and she'd call me in a little while so I had that push-pull factor where I wanted to stay, but I had to leave. I knew I had to, cause she asked me to. So I'm home now. I'm sitting in the kitchen with my wife and my best friend. My best friend came over a little bit later. So we're sitting there having coffee. We're talking. The phone rings, and it's my father, and he's screaming on the phone. It's your mother. It's your mother. Mm-hmm. So we raced over there, and sure enough, I, I remembered the guy on top of her on the gurney, and he was doing CPR. The other guy was pulling the gurney. You know, little details, like the purple socks her hand hanging over the side. You know, my father running out very void and, you know, complacent, didn't know what to do. Um, it was just amazing, you know, to, to see what played out after I was shown the night before. Then, um, bring you up to after the funeral, and the family pulls us aside. And it was my Uncle Doug and my Aunt Maxine. They pulled me aside, and they said, you know, all these years she's been looking for you. And I said, what? I didn't, you know, I didn't, I couldn't believe it. And he said, sure, your mother had another baby, and she's been looking for you. So I was right since age three or four in that area about my mom having another baby. So we got pulled on Fox, and they did a big interview. I got the tapes in the house, Mm -hmm. and it was just amazing to, you know, that I got to meet my sister, who was a spitting image of my mother, and, you know, looking back and saying, oh, my God, you know, I knew since age three, that she was out there, and it's just, it's just full circle.
2: Are, are you still in contact
3: with that sister today? We we haven't been in touch with her for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's one of those things, you, you don't meet anybody for your whole life, and you meet them, and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you see her, you, you talk for a while, and then they just, she drifted, and that's just what happened. Mm-hmm. sad to say, but it's true.
2: Now, now at what point did you, um, you know, you had this ability and a, a lot of people seem to, to have a, a psychic ability, or so they say, some of them. But what what made you th- want to take this to the next level and and get involved with with helping to solve crimes? Did anything lead you to the point where you're going to say, you know what, I, I can do this to a level where I can help, I can help people, or I can help? You know, I'm not just going to read their their future and let them know that uh, you know they're going to find love in 10 years. I, I want to be able to to help a family either. Uh, Come to peace with something, or, or, or solve a crime, or when did when did that come into come into play?
3: Um, I want you to be a police officer twice. Now, um, the second time go around, I was hired on in the Peel region, Toronto area, mm-hmm. and I just got back from all the police testing, the final interviews, and, and hired on. And I'm home, and you know, celebrating with my wife and my father, and and this lady was screaming in the backyard, and I couldn't see her because we had a big long uh, our fence. So I hopped the fence, and there she was in her nightgown. She's pointing. She's going, it's an accident. So I ran out, and there's townhouses. And I ran on down the driveway looking, and I looked out towards the road. There was no cars. This guy says, no, in here. So I looked, and he had a sliding door. And I went through to his townhome, and I seen a woman running around the kitchen table screaming. And I noticed a man over by the door to my right holding a doorknob, and he was white as a ghost. And Hmm. he said, come here. So I went over to him, and he grabbed my shoulder. He opened the door and he shoved me in this little room. Well, in the bathroom there was a guy there staring at me. He was dead. So instinct takes over. You want to do vitals and you want to do CPR. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm administering vitals and you know and CPR and I'm looking at this individual and I hear "Let me go," and I I step back and I thought you know I'm <laughs> Kim, I'm you know my mind is focused on you and and I, maybe I didn't hear that right, so I continue doing what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and I hear really loud, let me go, and I look him right in the eyes, and he's staring right at me, and I thought, oh my God, the guy's talking to me, uh-huh. so I step back, I open the door, and I walk out, and I'm kind of like, you know, beside myself, because the guy is dead, he's talking to me, and I, you know, I know, I've seen this before as a kid growing up, all the way to now, uh-huh. but he just took me back, so after the um, the funeral of this, Individual, um, and it, it turned out to be my sister's best friend's father. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was amazing the connection. So after this, the, the, the gentleman's funeral, I decided that I wanted to quit. So I call up where in the police detachment, and I said I don't no longer want to be a police officer, mm-hmm. and they couldn't understand why. So they called the Chatham Police Force, which in turn sent uh, a film crew, the sergeant, and a captain over. And they were in my home now, filming me, and they were doing a documentary about police officers, firefighters, and EMTs who quit under duress. And I kept telling them, I'm not stressed Uh out what it was, and I explained what happened. And you should have seen their jaws. They were literally on the floor. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was amazing. That was my very first movie I've ever been in. (laughs) And, um, you know, funny to say, but that's when I knew at that time that, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm serving on the wrong side, but I can still serve with the police, and somehow this will generate and move forward, and sure enough, it did. I got a quick quick question uh, uh, Uh,
1: to ask you there, Rob. How's the paranormal up there in Canada? I know we see, like, you know, the Ghost Hunters International and stuff like that, and, you know, they're going outside North America, so to speak, but we we don't see too much on TV as far as, you know, anything, or hear about too much actually going on about anything haunted in Canada or, you know, hauntings and stuff like that.
3: Yeah, you know, um, we shot the pilot to a new TV series, um about last year and we're still waiting and A and E has it sitting on their desk, sci fi as well. We approached many people here in Canada. It was shot in Canada but uh, we have the international flair that's gonna be, you know, taking place with this. The budget value of Canada versus the United States is like ten to one. So in other words, if they're gonna do a show in Canada, they're gonna say we're gonna give you twenty five thousand dollars per episode. That involves paying your cast, your camera crew everything, editing, and what have you, versus we're going to pay you a quarter of a a million dollars to um, do a show or uh, half a million or a million, whatever it is, per episode Mm -hmm. in the United States. So you don't see very much good quality that comes from Canada. And it's a shame, and and it's the truth. You really, truly don't. Well, you don't even hear about
1: haunted locations and stuff, so to speak. I mean, we've tried doing some research about some locations, you know, right across... uh, the lakes here from us from where we're up here in Buffalo, and you can find some stuff about some locations, but there's not, like, there's a lot of books out here, like Haunted United States, where I can redo all this research about these haunted locations, and there's not too much even, even focused on any hauntings or paranormal activity coming from Canada.
3: Why do you think I go to the States?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, it's, it's probably a good and bad thing because it, it's really uncharted territory. So, I mean, everyone in, in the U.S., Everyone in the U.S. has done the Eastern State. Everyone has done the um, Waverly, Waverleys, and the you know, although the Mansfields and all those locations, but really in Canada, it's it's untapped in there. There's probably I mean, there's got to be a ton of great locations that uh, I, I think would probably make a great story for for a TV episode.
3: Oh, absolutely. There's the Black Donnellys, which is not too far from here, and there were I think it was. Annie went down. Yeah, it was Annie, and I'm correct in saying that. I spoke with the, the people who own the Donnelly home now in the ranch or the the um, farm and what have you, and I was I said, you know, I would love to come there and do some filming. And they said we'd love to have you, we really would, but people have ruined it, and we don't want people on our on our land no more. There's people going at nighttime sneaking on the property, and you know the barn is a historical site. The homes are the homes are and what have you because there were several family members who were Irish that were murdered by the townsfolk mm-hmm. and all at one night. So what they were doing is people were you know, sneaking in cigarette butts and just throwing them down. They were scared the place would catch on fire. So that ruins it. You get very historical places like that. Um, Amy came over one time, and they did some filming, and they were very upset at what happened during the time they were filming at, at this place. So I got the lowdown on what happened, and... You know, something like that would be ideal, but it ruins it for everybody.
1: Absolutely. I mean, we, we've seen some of the work we've done and get some of the locations we've had up here. You know, there's been some, we like to call them, term them like fly-by-night groups, where they come in, they, they have content, and it's just like a, a notch in their belt, so to speak. I got to investigate this place, and then you never hear anything about them. They don't go back to the location, nothing like that. And then, then unfortunately, the location doesn't want to deal with any kind of paranormal group or anybody trying to come in there because... They've been, you had that one bad apple that ruined it for everybody else.
3: That's true. That's true. And it's a shame because there are people who really want to learn and educate themselves what is paranormal and the normality of. Because, you know, this is a way of life. I, I, I teach it as this it's not that we live here and they live there and we're catching a ghost and. Oh, my God, look at the trophy I got. It's a way of life. Mm -hmm. We've been brought up as children, and we've seen this stuff growing up. Well, so have our grandfathers and their grandmothers, and so is our great-grandparents. And, you know, the stories we listen to from them, it's a way of life because from here we go there. And that's the big part of people that they miss. It's not that we're becoming a weekend warrior Mm -hmm. or we're becoming a ghost hunter you know, we should take it and evaluate it properly and we're call it paranormal encounters. Mm-hmm. And that's hence the book. I'm sorry, I'm just throwing a plug in there. Oh, <laughs> perfect. perfect segue. <laughs> real, real
2: quickly, though, Rob, I know you mentioned earlier in the episode about you were at a location and the spirits, I think it was either Sally House, um, it was when you were talking about the, the filming you did. They, the spirits knew you were there and knew you were coming. Now, we, we, we had a location we did in Buffalo and we we brought a psychic in, and the psychic told us they know you're here they they knew you were coming for a while, and the funny thing is we're thinking, well, how the hell would they know we were coming? Well, I guess the caretaker of this location was going around days before we were coming and was was actually talking to himself and telling the spirit, hey there's in, these investigators are going to come in and they're gonna try they're going try you. to kind to, of try to communicate with you so we kind of found it interesting that. We kind of thought the psychic was a little, uh, little bonkers when she told us. I'm like, how the hell would they know they were coming? But she actually validated that this caretaker was going around telling the spirits we were on our way and we were going to be there. Did, I mean, is that is that pretty common? Do you do you know when you walk a location like you're being expected?
3: Absolutely. I'll give you two uh, two examples. The Sally House movie before we shot it back in 2006. It was the new um, Discovery Channel New Dominion Pictures. Mm-hmm. Tom McNaughton. Uh, who literally owned Discovery Channel? They had a lot of shows on there at the time. At one time, a haunting and what have you. Um, it was, it was Discovery Channel. It was fourteen-time award-winning film producer Ronald James, uh, Michael Esposito, myself, and the Indiana Ghost Trackers that were to go there and film the Sally House movie back in two thousand and six. Well, just prior to getting ready to get on the plane and you know get everything all finalized and to go, the woman showed up in my bedroom. Like, you know, every guy wants a woman to show up in their bedroom, don't they? Uh, But this was a little different, this woman was. And um, she showed up and she explained to me that Ron was going to do this, McNaughton was going to do this, Michael was going to do that, Esposito was going to do this, and everybody else was going to do whatever they were going to do to each other. And I was listening to this and it was just amazing. So I wrote down everything. The next day I'm sitting there and pondering what I have, and I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not wrong. I've seen what I've seen last night. So I started calling everybody. I called up Michael McDowell, and I said, look, don't bother going. You're not even going to get in the house. They're not even going to let you in the house. And I said, and I called up and I told Ron, I said, this is what's going to happen. And I, I told Michael Spazito what was going to happen and Tom McNaughton, and it was, it was amazing. So I stayed home, and they were mad. <laughs> there were thousands of dollars spent to do this, and I did not go. And right up to the last moment, jumped that plane, and I said, no. I'm listening to what she told me, and every guy should listen to the women. Believe me. (laughs) So um, what happened was the next day, Ron's on the phone, and he leaves a recording on my, my answer machine saying, okay, Mr. Psychic, you were right, and this is what happened, and you were right about this and that. And, yeah, they all disbanded, and it was a big kibosh, and all that money was spent for nothing. Michael McDowell didn't even get inside the house, and that's what was shown to me. He would not get in. I spoke to his girlfriend, and she said, don't drive, listen to Rob. And, you know, these people will confirm this. This is all true. So this is the big kicker. I'm on tour, Michael Esposito says, why don't you stop down at the Sally House, and we'll make that part of the tour in Kansas. So I snuck it in on the tour. And then Scott Unruh, who shot the Montezuma Treasures, calls me up and says, I hear you're coming. And I don't know how he found out, but he did. And I said, yeah. He goes, let's make a movie. I said, Sure. So I'm sitting on the front porch. I brought actor Jamie Routley with me, who starred with, like, Oliver Levy, uh, Nick Mancuso, Roddy Roddy Piper, many, many, you know, great people he's been in movies with. Mm-hmm. And he never done the paranormal. He's always done the horror and the drama. So I brought him down. We're sitting on the porch, and, my, and Michael Esposito goes, do you realize what day it is? And I said, no. And, and he told me, and I went, oh, my God. It was a year to the very day. It was a year to the very day. A year prior to, I was supposed to be there filming but yet we were there now filming. <laughs> Amazing story.
2: <laughs> Rob, those are uh, those are some pretty good examples of exactly what I was asking about. Um actually we're going to take uh, we're going to take another commercial break. Um so Rob, you can hold the line and uh, we'll be right back. Everyone, go check out www.beyondghosts.com. Check out what we got going on, on the website, check our events page and hold the line. We'll be right back.
0: Folks, you gotta check it out. We're talking about go to phantomlight.com. That's phantomlite.com and check out the Phantom Light Illuminators.
2: Everyone, welcome back to Beyond Ghosts, Interactive Paranormal. We're doing a interview here, a pretty uh, stirring, exciting interview here with interesting, our, definitely interesting, interesting, definitely guest. interesting interview. Their good buddy Robbie Thomas. And uh, Robbie, uh, you still with us?
3: Absolutely, I'm here. Thank you for having me again.
2: Hey, no, no problem. This is actually, uh, it's actually been a great interview, and we're actually getting close to the end of the night. So what we want to do is we want to give the, the however much time you need. Um, I know you're a real busy guy. You got a lot of things going on. You got the book. You got the tour. You got the shows. And, and you got the websites. If you could, can you can you give a shout out and, 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 and we want you to talk about everything, Robbie Thomas, if you
3: will.
1: Yeah, your URLs and whatever you got. Well,
3: this is going to be simple. This is great. No. <laughs> All right, I'm self shamelessly plugging myself. RobbieThomas.net. Um, there will be changes coming up. You'll see. It's the Psychic Justice Tour. You'll see the tour I've done. There's much more coming up. Um, I'll be on the Queen Mary. You want to walk the decks with me? We've got very many integral individuals that'll be there as well. I can't mention them right now. It's a total surprise, but you can get a hold of me. I'm on Facebook, Robbie Thomas. Look me up. We're going to be doing the Queen Mary. I have the Canadian American Paranormal Conference coming up August 6th and 7th. It's in Sarnia, Ontario. We have Keith H. We have Aaron Houdini. We have David Fultz. We have Michael Esposito, Amy Williamson, and myself, and some surprise guests might be popping by. And we have so much more. we got Paranormal Encounters. My new book that came out, Seven Short Weeks, it reached number two on the bestsellers list of June 25th week. And it's amazing. I'm just taken back. I'm humbled. Um, I spoke to the publisher. It was just fascinating how something like this can, can happen. And uh, Amazon, I know it says Amazon.com, Borders, uh, Chapters.ca. Many of the sites are eight weeks for delivery, but you can place your order, and they say temporarily out of stock, but they are getting, getting them in. Again, you can get it through my office as well, uh, RobbieThomas.net. And um, boy, oh, boy, I'm on tour throughout the United States coming up again shortly. Um, look for me, we are, we got a new movie coming out as well that's um, a major motion picture, 15 million bucks plus. It's called Bluegrass Run. i got a role in that. I cross lines to acting. But I get to play myself, which I'm going to be the conscience of an individual who escapes the police from Chicago to go to Kentucky. He met a woman who's a horse breeder on the Internet. And in the meantime, he's trying to evade the police. And on his, his good side, I'm trying to help him along the way. Um, there's so much, so much, but, um, keep an eye for me, folks. There's a lot more stuff coming up, like my two movie scripts are in Hollywood, Paradox uh, and Paradox 2. And, uh, you know, guys, thank you so much. There's <laughs> can go on and on, but this is fantastic. Thank you so much.
2: I, I, I gotta tell you, Rob, you, you're probably one of the busiest guys I know. Do you, do you find time to sleep?
3: You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I'm on the road, and when I do get on the road, we don't have much time to sleep, It's amazing. I just don't know. I get home and I'm working from morning to night, you know, doing the the media and the networking and then talking to people and and going here and doing this and that. And I've been offered from five separate production companies my own TV show coming up, but I've already shot uh, an episode or a pilot so i'm sitting here with so much on the desk i just don't know what to do anymore it's true
2: well as long as what you're doing is what you love that's all that's important that you you, you love the work that you do and you get up every morning and you're you're happy with what you're doing Because nothing's worse than having to go to a job that you absolutely hate so as long as you enjoy what you're doing you love it i'm all for you
3: oh thank you so much thank you and uh
2: you know again thanks for thanks for coming on um Wow, there was so much you mentioned there that we didn't even talk about in the interview. We could probably have you on probably every week with the amount of stuff you're doing. We even talk about the, the, the paranormal convention that you're doing. And um, like I said, please check out the websites. Um, there's a lot of stuff about Robbie Thomas. So, Rob, thanks for, thanks for coming out, and uh, thanks for, for, for uh, sitting with us and chatting with us for an hour. It was definitely interesting, and we'd love to have you back again sometime.
3: Oh, absolutely, and I'll give one more shout-out for the the convention website. It's called the Canadian American Paranormal Conference, canamparacon.com. That's canamparacon.com.
2: Okay, sounds good. So everyone, check that out. Rob, if you could uh, hold the line so we could properly say goodbye to you off the air. We're going to take our final commercial break of the evening, so everyone out there, Again, check out the websites Robbie mentioned. Check out beyondghosts.com and we'll be right back with more Beyond Ghosts Interactive Paranormal.
0: Hey there, it's John Crusito, the host of Beyond Ghosts, Interactive Paranormal. All you beautiful listeners out there, when you get a chance, can you please go check out our incredible website, which is all about educating while entertaining. We're talking about www.beyondghosts.com. There you're going to find out all kinds of information about the Beyond Ghosts gang. We'll be talking about our awesome radio show, which you are currently listening to. Thank you so much for doing that. But also stuff about our events, because remember, we are all about interactive paranormal, and that's right. Getting all you ghost hunters off the sidelines and into them haunted houses and all them places across the country for you to do some investigaciones of your own. So check out BeyondGhosts.com, and we're going to have fun while we kick some knowledge about the wide-open field of the paranormal. Which, you know what? Remember, babies, there are... No experts, just folks with a lot more experience. So beyondghosts.com today.
2: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Beyond Ghosts, Interactive Paranormal. Had a a fascinating interview with a a great guy, Robbie Thomas, uh, from our... uh, neighbors to the north there yeah Canada. our good
1: friends neighbor to the north good neighbors
2: to the north and we actually had a we just had a, a nice conversation with him off the air he's a huge hockey fan and uh fortunately to, it's the Toronto I, Maple I Leafs. had to drop the ball that he's a Maple Leafs <sighs> fan so I think Marty's uh blood pressure was boiling I thought I thought I saw a vein over his eye he was kind of pulsing a little bit but uh so we had a good uh 10-15 minute discussion off the air about hockey and the Leafs and the Sabres and uh Marty, we could have went all night talking to him.
1: Oh, uh, you know, I can't <laughs> wait till there, there's an actual day that we, it's us and against them, for the conference final to go to the Stanley Cup.
2: <laughs> it was, and we. Oh uh,
1: yeah, we we did go to the Stanley <laughs> and Cup. We won ninety nine. So, yeah, but, but, but unfortunately, we didn't win a freaking Stanley. Oh, no, yeah, goal. No,
2: no goal. No goal. No goal. freaking. We don't know how many people out there listening are actually hockey fans. I'm sure there's. I don't care. <laughs> we're supposed to be talking about ghosts we're supposed to be talking about goblins. world cup i'm pretty sure we cup. get
1: a, a bunch of fans that we got would we talk talking uh world cup Yay, soccer world cup. is it over <sighs> almost yet. almost I, I know germany was it germany that just won or netherlands won one of them we are dating they, the show now i don't care <laughs> i already said fourth of july
2: i know <laughs> so marty before we go um we should probably plug some of our events Yes. We have Friday the thirteenth, Shay's August, August Friday the thirteenth. August Friday the thirteenth, Shay's Buffalo. It is a historic Buffalo landmark. So if you're anywhere in Buffalo, near Buffalo, or within a two day drive of Buffalo. <laughs> <you need to laughs> yeah, if you drive, want to come from Chicago. You need to come to Buffalo. Utah. And you gotta go see Michael Shays Wonder Theater, which is downtown. It is uh, Shay's Performing Arts Center. We were there. It was awesome. The place is huge. Um, it's going to be a great, great event, and it could be the last time and only time that a ghost investigation is being held at this theater. Yeah, we had to jump through some hoops to yep. get that place. So, you know, we can't guarantee we're going to get this again. So this could be a one-time-only thing. So you might want to get your tickets soon. They are going fast. You can go to Beyond Ghosts. Ghosts, not goats. <laughs> go to beyondghosts.com slash events. Nah. And <laughs> from there, you can get all the information for Shays Buffalo. And then we have a few tickets remaining for Eastern State at the end of August.
1: Is that, uh, that, I don't know. You, you're going to have to check that one again on Hot because we're close to being. We yeah, had, we're c- close. We by asked the time Eastern the
2: show St- airs, it could be sold out. So. Yeah, we
1: had asked Eastern State for some extra tickets, and they obliged, but I they're going fast. I know we only had, at one time, maybe, what, four left, five left? So Yeah,
2: yeah, so by the time the show airs, we could be sold out. So check that out. Uh, also, September 5th, Buffalo Naval Park. That's another bucket lister. We got three battleships we're investigating, not just the Little Rock, not just the Sullivan's, but also the croaker, the sub. So we have all three vessels. Usually you can well, only... the
1: sub's not a battleship.
2: No, it's yeah. three floating vessels. <laughs> we have three floating <laughs> vessels you can investigate. The Sullivans, the Little Rock, and the croaker. So take a look at that. We have two different ticket pr- uh, prices uh, this, for this fundraiser. One is the strict ghost hunt and lecture, and that's $50. Or we also have the dinner on the deck of the Little Rock, plus the ghost hunt, plus the lecture, plus you can get there a little early and do kind of like a little daylight tour. That's $75, and, that's just, again, this is all a fundraiser to benefit the yep. Buffalo Naval Park. Yep. And then uh, from that point on, check the website. We're going to add some things here and there, probably uh, stuff over at the Van Horn, some other great locations around Buffalo. Um, Halloween's coming up, so check out that as well. We're going to have some big plans for Halloween. And so, uh, again, uh, all this information is available at Beyond Ghosts. Dot com. So on that note, thanks for listening tonight, and... Ciao, Bella!
1: going to hate that we stole that. <laughs> <laughs>
3: If
2: you don't feel anything, that's fine too.
0: That's yes. cool in the game with us. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast.
2: Please follow us on all our social medias at Foggy Jack13. Also, make sure you subscribe to YouTube and to our Patreon. Hope to see you all next time down in the pumpkin patch. Thank you, goodbye, and blessed be.